try to say yes to everything. Just I'm all about pushing women forward and encouraging them to start shows because then they book other women and maybe they book me, you know? You just create more opportunities. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. Hi, y'all. We have Zoe Rogers on the show today. We got a mix of comedy and motherhood to present to you guys. She is a comic writer and producer who gets her material from her three awesome kids who make sure that her life is never dull or quiet. She has performed all over North America and the UK, as well as been featured on nickmom.com and Babble Up Late. Get ready for the giggles because Zoe Rogers is coming, y'all. Let's welcome her to the show. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Did you register to vote? No, seriously. Did you send your form in? Did you do it online? Do you want to feel like your voice is heard? This is not an endorsement or sponsorship. This is just me talking to another American citizen asking you to use your voice to vote. You know the V word. No, not Voldemort. I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) Today is the day to use your voice. It's powerful. It can bring about change. You can make a difference. You, the people, can change the country. So I will be at the polls with a mask on, of course. Will you? All right, Zoe, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm excited. Another comedian. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and let's thank our girl, Danielle, for having you and recommending you to me about this because I was all like, oh, do you know anyone else? She was like, ooh, I got someone for you. I have someone. <laughs> I love her. I'm always happy to hear that. I love when women talk up other women and put their name out there. So I appreciate that. Also, you have a great laugh. I just heard it when you were introducing me and I was like, oh, she'd be terrific to have in an audience. Someone told me I have an iconic laugh and they wanted to record my laugh if if they ever feel down or something. So if I laugh too loud, let me know because it, it could get a little crazy at times. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a terrific laugh. It's a weird thing to say to people. I wind up saying that to people and they're like... What? And I'm like, I'm a comic. I hear laughs all the time. There are certain laughs that are so good. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel good inside. <laughs> so, Zoe, I want to know when you got your start getting into stand-up. And did it feel natural for you or was it something you had to work on? I got my start about 10 years ago where a friend of mine from high school, I had moved to, to Santa Monica to L.A. from uh, New York. And a friend of mine from high school uh, ran into me at the grocery store. It was like one of those moments where the world is so small. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was taking a stand-up comedy class and he kept saying, oh, you should take this class. But at the time I had a two-year-old and I was like, I'm not taking any classes. (laughs) (laughs) 
And we would meet for lunch every week. And every week I would talk to him about what was happening in my life. And he was like, you need to write it down. You need to write it down. And then I had another baby. (laughs) And so I couldn't do the classes. And two years later, it was like a conversation that took two years to really produce this outcome. Two years later, I wound up taking the class. My younger son basically stopped nursing. And I called my friend crying. And I was like, I feel like you broke up with me. Aww. I feel rejected. And he was like, I'm sorry to hear that. But what better time to take a stand-up comedy class? <laughs> so I took the class. And it totally changed my life. It was huge. And I was terrified. I, it was like the first thing I'd done for myself in like five years or something. And I didn't even know if I had anything valuable to talk about. And everybody else in the class, like, in the beginning, they would say, you know, what brought you to this class? And people would be like, well, I performed with this improv group, and I took this class, and I've been doing courses. And I was like, I went to a tumbling class with my son. This is the first class I've done without bubbles. (laughs) I really doubted whether or not I should be there. And because I felt like when I went to clubs and saw comedy, which wasn't very often, but when I did start going, when I was doing this class, I didn't see anybody that I, I mean, I saw funny people and comedy is valuable, whether or not it's your perspective or not, but I didn't see anybody who looked like me talking about the things that were important to me. And so I felt like, does anybody want to hear what I have to say? And thankfully they did. I did the class, I did a graduation show and got booked on shows from there and then started producing. It was very, I remember somebody saying to me, what makes a normal person do stand-up comedy? (laughs) And I was like, well, I just really wanted to get out of the house and like talk to adults. Get away from the kids. (laughs) It was one of those things where I love my family, but by the time I started this class, I was like, basically, there was a lot of crying in the bathroom for me. (laughs) And and this class (laughs) cut into my bathroom crying time because all of a sudden I felt heard, which was something I didn't, you know, I think is hard as, as a woman in general, but particularly when you're a mom and you feel very unheard, and you have a lot of people's expectations pushed on you, and you keep pushing your needs to the back burner to take care of other people. And then eventually you look up and you're crying in the bathroom. So this class was really, really good for me. It it changed my life. It made me a better mom. It made me a happier person. I was like, oh, I do have things to say. There are people who connect with me. I would have so many women come up to me after shows and be like, that joke you told, oh my God, that's my life. Oh, I'm not alone. All these things that I'm talking about, other people are feeling them too, and they do care. And that was really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. What did it feel like after your first stand-up opportunity? Well, that's sort of like a two-part thing, because before my first show, I did a mic, and that was horrible. (laughs) That was awful. The show itself was awesome, because I... You know, when you do these classes, you, well, I don't know how all the classes work. I took this one class. And when you take this one class, you run your material over and over and over Mm -hmm, and over mm -hmm. because that's how you don't get on stage and freeze and say, what was my set? You've been running it over and over in the car with no feedback. So it's different. And it was awesome to get on stage and have people laugh and be like, oh, did that work? Good. Let's try (laughs) But my first mic, which I always tell younger comics or people who are just starting out, I always tell them about my worst mic because not my, well, my first mic was my worst mic, but I always tell them about it because it's so terrible. So I go to this mic, which is at like this terrible bar and I go with a friend of mine and I'd never been to a mic and I didn't know how the system works of on deck and up next and all that. 
And so I'm sitting there with my friend and I'm running my set in my head. And the host gets up, he has a list that's like the sign up list and he's taped it on the floor of the stage so he can look at it. He goes, on deck, Zoe Rogers. So I start to run up. And then he says in front of everybody into the mic, he's like, no, that doesn't mean you're next. That means after the next person. Oh. Sit down. So I was like, okay. So I sit down. And my friend who's with me leans over and he goes, we should leave. And I was like, no, we're not leaving. I got a sitter for this. I'm not leaving. And so the next guy gets up. Mics are a combination of comics working on their material and people having complete nervous breakdowns. And (laughs) somebody having a total nervous breakdown. He got up and he's like, yeah. He goes, I want to talk about my girlfriend. She's a bitch. And everyone's like, whoa. Like the whole audience is like, uh, we're not feeling that at all. (laughs) And he goes, goes, so is my mother. He goes, so I don't need a therapist to spell that one out for me. It was this whole thing where the whole audience was like, what is this? And nobody's laughing. And then he says, why aren't you laughing? Are you here to see your friend? Is that why you're not laughing at me? And the host is in the light, you know? He goes, who's your friend? Looks down at the list and goes, Zoe Rogers. And I'm like, I don't want to be involved in this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, fuck you guys and fuck Zoe Rogers. And he throws the mic down. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Words off stage. And the host, <laughs> the host gets up and does no energy work, no driving the crowd back, picks up the mic and goes, up next, Zoe Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my first mic. <laughs> and I remember being like, this is terrible. My friend was like, this is objectively bad and we should go. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm not a sitter and I'm not going anywhere. So I got on stage and it was awkward to like just go right into my jokes. So I said, hi, I'm Zoe Rogers. Please don't fuck me. (laughs) 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 And he said, sir, I don't know your mom, but I'm guessing there's two sides to that story. Oh, man. (laughs) To my set. So that was my horrible first mic experience. But I was still like, dude, I got a sitter. I ran my stuff and I'm going to perform. And... I don't know. It was sort of, it was definitely like a trial by fire. Definitely. My friend who was with me still leaves me voicemails where he's like, fuck Zoe Rogers. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is like too much. Just, <laughs> just to roll right into that. That is too much altogether. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I be like, here's some insight into how crappy it can be. <laughs> right. Definitely. Oh man. Well, <laughs> it just, it just, <laughs> it just blew me away. Once you started off with that, I was like, damn, just call her out by her name. Damn. <laughs> broke the mic down, storms off stage. And I'm thinking like the host is definitely going to get up and like tell a joke or, mm-hmm. Hey, here, we don't say things like that to people. Nope. He was like, up next. Are we Rogers? Wow. That's one hell of an intro. Well, we're going to speed it up here to something <laughs> a little more in things that you have accomplished and done. And that wasn't so horrible of an introduction. So I was watching your stand up for the Babble Up. And I love how you incorporate your family experiences into your comedy. And I want to know if you do that all the time. And 
does it seem like they're your inspiration behind everything? Or do you also get inspiration from other experiences uh, to intersect with your comedy and your jokes? I would say the bulk of it comes from my kids and from parenting, exchanges I have with them, things they say, but it's also situations I find myself in that seem totally weird to me. And just noting the differences. I'm more of observing things. I try to find the funny in the situation. So if I'm at the park for hours and there's a terrible kid who keeps bothering my kid, I'm like, where's the funny in this? What can I compare this to? Right. But I would say it's largely inspired by my kids. Most of my stuff is about my kids and being married and just trying to make that Because one of my fears when I started was that it would be like a bunch of guys being like, I don't care about your kids. I don't want to hear about your kids. So it was like how to make it relatable to everybody. Like even if you haven't, even if you don't have kids, Mm -hmm. you've worked for a difficult boss or you've had a very messy roommate or just worked with people who have bad boundaries. And so how to relate it to that. And that always seemed to get people, not always, but that makes it so you connect with people who don't live your same exact life. Does your kids or your husband ever suggest jokes for you for your (laughs) stand-ups? I'm sure that's fun to talk about. (laughs) They make suggestions. And sometimes it's funny. My son, when I was much younger, I was going, when I first started doing shows and I would be leaving because I'm the full-time parent. Mm-hmm. This one time I was like, I have to go. And he was like, but I want you to read to me. I was like, right, but dad's here. He's going to read to you. I have to go. He said, I don't want you to go. I was like, right, well, I, I have to go. I made a commitment and I have to be in a show across town. And apparently when I closed the door, my husband said that my son looked at him and said, can she do that? Is she allowed to leave me? But the next time I was leaving... He ran up to the door and I thought we were going to have the same conversation. I was like, I'm going to be back two hours. I'll sneak in your room. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm okay with that. I just have a suggestion for you. I was like, you have a suggestion. He was like, yeah. And I said, okay, I'll give it to me. What have you got? And he's like, you should get on stage and you should go poop, fart. And he's like cracking himself up. You know, he's like four at this point. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, right. Have you seen my set? Because it's eerily similar. Just that he thought that would kill, like he was that crushes in the preschool audiences. They give suggestions. My husband will give suggestions, but, and sometimes it's stuff he says. I have jokes that are things he said to me, not meaning to be funny. And then when I tell them, I've had people be like, oh, you made that up though. I was like, no, my husband actually said that. But usually his suggestions are like, you should tell that story, that funny story about that road trip we went on. And I was like, (laughs) off limits, off limits. I was like, this is why you're an attorney and I'm a comic. (laughs) But yeah, no, they'll give suggestions for things. Sometimes I'll run stuff by him. He's a very tough audience. He laughs at nothing. I call him the winner. Comics meet and they write together and they'll get feedback from each other. And with him, he's pretty much totally deadpan. But if you can get a laugh from him, you're like, that's Do you get lots of laughs from him every now and then? Every now and then. It has to be. And it's funny because sometimes he like shows no mercy. I'll try another joke with him. And I'm like, you laughed at that last week. You're not laughing at that. And he's like, no, it must have struck me as funny then. But I just, I'm not feeling it right now. I was like, oh, okay. Thanks. My feelings. Yeah, I know. Tearjerker, tearjerker. (laughs) I can get him to laugh. It's great. I have friends that I text and that I write with every other week. We'll text each other. Our text chains are very bizarre, where it's like, is it funny for me to talk about this? By the way, how's your mom? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, you make it seem so effortless as you talk about this. It's like a joke within the story, and <laughs> I can see how you can pull from it for your comedy. So it comes so effortlessly. It's very natural for you. I like it. Well, I love if it feels effortless. It's sort of like the thing with comedy is, and what I love about it is when you see somebody get on stage and it looks like they're just going off on a tangent, but it's real and it's funny and it's tight and it's clear. And then when you're a comic, you know, that took a year. (laughs) You know, that joke started out as awful with no punchline and now they've turned it into five minutes of just gold. So I love seeing that kind of thing. I am always down to support female-owned businesses, including those that make us feel uber confident. The Lip Bar, for example, is one of those amazing businesses. If you're looking for some easy-to-use makeup products that are vegan and cruelty-free, the Lip Bar is for you. The Lip Bar is all about making sure that you feel beautiful and everyone feels beautiful and celebrated. No matter your background, you too can be fabulous with the Lip Bar at your side. Use my code AJSoReal to get 10% off your next purchase today. It's your time to shine, girl, with the Lip Bar. Now, I know about being also a mom while you're being a comedian. And I'm sure at times it can be difficult to juggle that because, you know, with comedians, most of the time your sets are in the evening or late at night and you're delivering that. And that's not all the time, but you're still away from home where you want to be with your kids or your family in general. How does that impact you? Well, it's hard. I mean, that's one of the struggles I imagine that all the parents that perform have is that you want to be there. I always joke with people that when I'm home, nobody's interested in me. I'm just like doing dishes and taking care of people's laundry. But if I have a show, people will have settled this crisis, this argument. You do feel bad, but I have to say it was really good for me. I remember saying to my husband, I feel bad when I have to miss things. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when I have to miss a bedtime or I said I'd watch a movie, but now I got this last minute spot and it's at the Laugh Factory and I'm not going to pass it up, you know, that kind of thing. But I think, I mean, while it's very hard for me because I I don't know if this is a female thing or a human thing or just a me thing, I always want to be the problem solver and come through people. But I think it's been good for showing my kids that mom's time is valuable too. Very true. Very true. Work too. And it's not like one person is more important than the other. I remember saying to my husband, I was like, I feel bad because I said I would go to, it was a back to school night. That's what it was. And I'd never missed a back to school night. Mm -hmm. And I felt really bad about it. And he was like, so you've been to every back to school night since the beginning of time. I'll get a sitter. I'll go. It's fine. And I said, I just feel bad. And people are going to ask where I am. And he was like, I'll say you're at work the way that I've been at work for every other back to school night. He was like, your time is just as important. He was like, you need to send that message to our kids and... So, I mean, that is always hard to deal with, but I try to do something special when I get back. I'll be like, okay, but tomorrow we're going to do X or Y or pancakes or, but it is that juggling act. And I've had people, like some people are very nice, but occasionally you run into the person who says to you after a show, like, so your husband's okay with you doing this? Oh God. Oh God. I'll have women say to me, who's with your children while you're here? And I'll say, they're with their dad. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> nobody comes up to him at work and asks who's with his children while he's at work. Right. This uh, is not the 1920s or the, the 50s or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they always come out and they say, I thought you were so funny and blah, blah, blah. 
I don't get as much of this now, but I used to get, I thought you were so funny and I usually don't even find women funny, but I thought you were funny. And I was like, you need to be watching some more stand-up. Yeah, so for real. People and say, go on YouTube and watch these people. And then they'll say, but who's watching your children? And I'm like, so you came to tell me I was funny and then to shame me. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Did you ever use that as a joke? Because I would, I would turn that around. <laughs> I really should. I don't know. I've had my moments where like I take dark stuff and I make it funny. I should have written about that. I think it just hurt me so much. I was just I, like, you see a woman come up to you after a show and you're like, she's going to say, I want to start stand up or you inspired me. And most of the time it is that this has only been a couple times, but no, I should write about that. Cause I wanted to be like, actually, no, you know, he didn't say it's okay. Try to make it. <laughs> I'm here under an assumed name. <laughs> If you start that joke, make sure you send me a snippet or something because I will die of laughter. (laughs) Run back to the kitchen before he knows I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was good. That was good. So I know you were scheduled to be at the Boulder Comedy Festival this year, but of course, how things turned out, of course, with COVID around, that's not happening anymore. And I'm curious, have you lost a lot of opportunities just because COVID has hit or are you doing anything virtual or? I'm, well, I'm doing virtual shows. I've been pretty, uh, well, I'll start with the Boulder Comedy Fest. I started that. That's my festival. I love it. And I'm so sad that it's not. Because for years and years, I wanted to do a festival and have it be just like that. Like everybody I reached out to who was on my A-list, I had a couple of people because usually people aren't available, but I put it at a time of year where it didn't conflict with any other festivals. So basically everyone I asked was able to do it. And I was so happy. So when COVID hit, I was super sad because I was like, no, that was going to be awesome. So I was sad about that. Uh, I was also supposed to do live shows for Scary Mommy in the Carolinas. And I was really looking forward to that. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is sad, but it also is such a shared experience. Everybody's having this. Lots of people are having all their stuff canceled. So I am frustrated about that. But at the same time, it's been nice to see people create opportunities virtually. I've done a lot of fun Zoom shows. I did two for Cancer Support Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And that was nice because I got to perform with like Paula Poundstone. And that was totally surreal because I used to watch her stand-up specials on HBO. I would watch her and Carlin and Whoopi Goldberg and Wendy Liebman. I would sit up really close to the TV and like watch <laughs> And have it almost on mute so my mom couldn't hear me. So the fact that I then got to do a show with Paula Poundstone, I was like, oh. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I've had some really fun opportunities to work with people where I was having total panic attacks about getting to work with them. Yeah, I mean, I I love doing Zoom shows. I know people, it's not like the real thing, you know, but if you can't have the real thing, knowing that you get to laugh with people is so nice. For me, it's like medicinal to sit and laugh for an hour. It's nice to make people laugh, but even if you make people laugh, you get to sit there and laugh at other people. And I mean, I'm all about the Zoom shows. And now you don't have the issue of, oh, no, that's an LA comic. I can't have her on my show. It's Zoom. You can have whoever you want. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Anybody could be on the show. <laughs> you can pull from all over. There were people who were touring and you could never get them. And I'd be like, but eight o'clock, I'll see you on Zoom, right? <laughs> Anybody's going to be on there now. <laughs> Now, I'm going to pivot because, you know, you said that you worked on, you basically 
founded the Boulder Comedy Festival and you talk about yourself as a producer. I want to hear more about that aspect because most stand-ups, you know, they don't talk about other aspects that go along with their title or expand on that. And it seems like you are very happy to talk about that. I'm very happy to talk about it. I think part of the reason people are reluctant to talk about that is often when you're on, when you go to a show and you see somebody who's the most offensive or the weakest link, that's the which is why people don't like to talk about it. But for me, it was that was how I was going to get up. When I started doing comedy, they only would have a woman on a show like every other month, and it would be one woman. So if I had lots of friends, I was happy if other women in comedy were getting up, but it meant I wasn't. And so I started producing so I could get up every week so that I could get my stuff crafted and make it funny, tight, hit harder, figure out what worked, what didn't. And so I started producing basically so I could get up, but also so other people that I saw could get up because it felt like at the time... And people, you know, there's been some growth about this in comedy recently, but at the time it did feel like nine straight white guys and me, or it felt like eight straight white guys, maybe a black Latin Asian comic and me, but that was as diverse as it was going to get. So most of this show is one perspective and these are the people who kept getting booked. And so when I started producing, I was like, I want to get all these comics up where I would see them and I'd be like, oh my God, this guy, this girl, whoever it is, is so funny. Why am I not seeing them more? And I was like, oh, maybe they're in the same situation I am. Maybe it's like they only have one woman a show. They only have one comic of color, one gay comic or one trans comic. So I was like, I think that's stupid. And I'm just going to book a whole show of that. And so I started producing and I would book the people who I thought were crazy funny, who I didn't see enough. And I just couldn't get enough of it. (laughs) And gradually I've produced in dive bars. I've produced in really nice theaters. And then I've done backyard shows. I've done all kinds of things. I love producing and I love putting together people because I love comedy. I love performing it, but I love watching it too. So there are comics where I'm like, oh man, an audience would eat him up or they would love her or whatever. And I want to have them all on one show. Often shows are like three, you know, not all the time, but three really funny people. (laughs) And then like six people you sit through. And I was like, they should all be as funny as those three people. They should all be good and it should be different energies and different perspectives. So that's why I love producing. And I can put people up more and then they get more opportunities. So I love that. This is one thing I was talking with Danielle about and she was mentioning how stand-up behind the scenes can be a boys club. And I realized that's something you also talked about previously here. Do you ever find it intimidating when you're in those rooms? And do you ever have those experiences where you felt like you just didn't belong, quote unquote, in the club? Yes, that is very much a legitimate thing. At this point, I'm very used to it. It's sort of a thing that women in comedy navigate. And there's been a lot of growth there. I feel like people try to make, not all people, but there are some people who make, try to make a bigger effort. But For the most part, a lot of comedy flyers look like a C-SPAN panel, you know, like a lot of old straight white guys and they're all wearing the same hoodie or hat. But it does feel that way. I feel like people try to make, Donnell is really good about this. She books a lot of women. I have had those experiences. I feel like I've gotten used to them at a certain point. I had one, I mean, I've had, everybody's had a series of bad experiences where somebody said something to them or just, you get introed a lot, not by your credits she's a sweetheart or you're gonna love her and everybody else gets to be introed by their credits mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. and you want to be like I have credits too one particular I've had a lot of exchanges with people where I just try to I don't know I, just, I think you just try to go up and be so funny that maybe next time they'll book two women but 
One issue I had, I was performing in another city and I brought my whole family with me. We were making a vacation thing and I was going to be performing at this club for a while. The manager of the club clearly did not like women and it was obvious. It wasn't just me because there were a lot of new people performing while I was there, but would come in and shake hands with everybody and be like, this guy, he's going to be somebody. Hey, this guy's so funny. Like him, he's going to be blah, blah, blah. And would look at me and be like, so are you here for the eight and 10 o'clock? And I was like, yeah, you know, (laughs) and regardless of how I did on stage was just not nice to me, like not very friendly. And I remember asking the comic who brought me because I was featuring for someone. He was like, yeah, he's very old fashioned. And I was like, he's old fashioned. Like, is that how you want to put it? (laughs) I said, it feels like he doesn't want women in his club. And he was like, well, Yeah, I mean, he's old fashioned like that. And the guy who brought me was very nice. And he stood up for me. And at one point, when I got off stage, I saw him talking to the manager and being like, what's your problem? She did really well. How can you have an issue with that? But I did wind up like crying in front of my husband. I was performing on my anniversary. And I just felt terrible. Because normally, I wouldn't care. I perform on anniversaries and birthdays. But it just felt I remember saying to my husband, I started crying about it. Because he was like, I don't care. You know, we'll celebrate later. And I was like, no, it's just going somewhere and feeling unwanted and feeling like you're not liked or wanted there feels terrible. I've been going there for like a week now every night and I'm trying really hard and I'm doing well, but this guy just isn't going to like me and he isn't going to change his mind about women on his stage and it doesn't feel good. I said, it's hard to go and have your energy up and be fun. And when you get off stage and the whole energy you get is like, we don't want you here. So I cried about that. <laughs> he was like, that sucks. And you shouldn't have to deal with that. And I hate that's still going on. But, you know, just go do what you do. Be funny. And so I took a shower. And when I got out of the shower, my oldest son, who at the time was 10 or 11 or something, he was like, I heard your conversation with dad. And I was totally embarrassed because I didn't want him to hear it. I thought yeah. he was on TV in the other room. And he said, I don't really know what to say. But dad explained it to me. And I'm sorry, he said, I just wanted to tell you two things. One is that I'll never be like that. And two is that I'm sure all trailblazers cry. Oh. Like, oh. like I was so embarrassed that he had seen me be so vulnerable and such a mess. But at the same time, I was like, this is good for him. This is good for him to see that this happens and to make a conscious choice to never be like that. And I did wind up talking to other comics in that city and finding out it was not me. He had been wretched to women who had been at his club, and that's why there are not many there. But yeah, I mean, it happens. And thankfully, that person's no longer the manager. Hopefully, that got around, and they were able to give that job to someone else. Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot. Not as blatantly as that. That's the most blatant I've ever had it. Yeah, that is like straight up in your face. Oh, it was horrible. And everybody knew it. When he would leave, all the other guys in the green room, so again, only woman on the show, all the other guys in the green one would be like, <clears throat> they'd either be really quiet or be very nice with me. Oh, gosh. Um, like, I really liked your set. And I was like, thank you. And I remember calling a friend of mine before the show. I texted her and was like, can you talk? I'm having a hard time. When she called me, she was like, so what's going on? And I told her and she's like, well, you know, don't even let that affect you. Don't let that get you. And I was like, dude, I'm crying in my car. <laughs> and she was like, oh, girl, don't cry in your car. <laughs> Like, just go see her on and go perform. She's like, go be funny. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I think that's nice. And I'm glad you shared that, especially on here, because you not only were what your son said, a trailblazer in that moment, because you pushed through and you didn't quit, but two, 
here you are sharing your vulnerability on and how it really impacted you, you know, not as a person, but as a woman. And for your son to see that, for your husband to see that, it's amazing to see how it he's making that conscious effort of recognizing, oh wow. So this is what it's like when a female is treated in such a way, especially mommy's treated in this way. I don't think I want to be anything like that. Making a conscious choice. I mean, he was like, so what are you going to do? He's like, are you going to tell, you know, you could tell on this person. And I was like, I'll never get booked again. They'll say I'm dramatic. They'll say I made it up. I was like, he said, so what are you going to do? It's like, I'm just going to go and do my best and hope that they have more women. That's all I can do. And he was like, it's not fair. I was like, no kidding. (laughs) like I know it's fair I was like but (laughs) I'm not gonna quit you know I'm not gonna give up and I'm just gonna be the nicest person you've ever worked with and like reliably easy to work with even though and that happens I see a lot of people where they're constantly just having to rise above some terrible behavior so they can get up there and shine and hopefully create an opportunity for someone else well now that you're in control of your artistry and you have more of the control also too to bring the underdogs, quote unquote, up to the forefront. I'm sure that's a form of advocacy to bring more female comedians to the spotlight too for you, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's your job. I think when you get to a place where you can, I have comics that I work with and I'm friends with who say like, as soon as I'm in a place where I can bring my own opener, you're my opener. And I think that's really cool. You know, I think that's one of those things that I'm conscious of is like, okay, this comic I saw, she's really funny. I haven't seen her anywhere else. I definitely want to have her perform here. If I can't do a show, if I have a conflict, I usually, instead of just saying I'm booked that day or whatever, we'll say like, I'm not available, but you should definitely hit up X, Y, and Z. And I'll give the name of five women just because I don't want them to be, well, she can't make it. We're going to book, you know, creepy McRapey joke instead. (laughs) I try to sort of, I think that's, part of the deal is if you can get in the door, you got to hold the door open for other women because, you know, what it was to get in the door in the first place. Yeah. Oh man. I, I love what you just said there. Uh, is there any other ways that you advocate for female comedians besides your producing or uh, I know you were also talking about how they come up to you and they say, you inspire me to be a comedian or to do stand up. How do you feel about that? I say do it. I say the world needs more women. Do it. Absolutely. I'm not a believer in like, oh, there's only this many pieces of pie, so I'm going to fight over it. And I feel like you make more pie. You make more pie. Everybody loves pie. (laughs) So I'll always say to women, go to a mic. Do you have some stuff you want to write about? Email it to me. I'll go over it with you. I'll help you edit it. I always say, find a class, write with other people and get up. Just keep getting up. Keep getting up. That's the only way to get your stuff where it needs to be. So, I mean, I book women a lot, but I also refer women a lot. And, you know, I encourage them to start their own shows. Like, I've had a lot of women, I was in this position too, where people were like, yeah, I'm just having a hard time getting booked. And I would be like, do you have like a dive bar or a coffee place in your neighborhood? What's a slow night for them? Go up to them and say, hey, Wednesdays look slow for you. Can we do a comedy night from like six to seven? And that way you could get in some extra people. Because that's basically what I did was I knew I wasn't going to get a Friday or Saturday night show when I was a year in, but I got a really bad one at six o'clock on Sundays, you know, (laughs) and that brought in more money for the bar. And that was a chance for me to get up and to have my friends go up and to get, because that's how you get good. Keep getting up and keep writing about what's important to you and what's vulnerable and unique to you. I just tell women, keep writing, keep writing. If you think of subjects and write 
heavy and then edit it down to like its most condensed, clearest, funniest version, write with other people and do every show. Try to say yes to everything. If you don't feel like it's a physical threat to you, if it's not some sketchy situation, try to say yes to everything. Just I'm all about pushing women forward and encouraging them to start shows because then they book other women and maybe they book me, you know, you just create more opportunities. Ladies, I hope you guys heard that advice that came out Zoe's mouth right now. Okay. Take it in. Take it in. (laughs) I want to know if you have any new material that you're working on due to the fact that 2020 has been such a quote unquote interesting year for the rest of us. Yes, I do. I have a teenager now. So I've been writing about that and what it's like to basically (laughs) to go from like having a separate identity where I go out and talk to people and get validation to just the lady who's like, why did you throw this clean shirt on the floor? I just (laughs) So I've been writing a little bit about that, how much I, you know, you don't get validation at home, the interactions between my kids. So I've been writing a bit about that, what it's like to be in a pandemic, what it's like to have no privacy. What's been a little crazy is I've never let my kids watch any of my comedy. I remember my son watched it on mute once. I was like, you can't listen, but you can watch. (laughs) And he said, you move your hands too much. I was like, okay, great. That's something I'm going to have in my head forever. But he watched it. I heard him the other day watching a clip. So that was awkward. I was like, this pandemic's got to (laughs) end. I was like, you can't be watching my sets about you. (laughs) I know, writing about what life is like right now, just the craziness of living in the world today. I was writing a joke about how ever since I've been doing Zoom shows, I've been aware of how huge my hands are. I've never thought of that in my whole life. I feel you. You know, like the woman stuff. Oh, do I look fat in these jeans? Or what is my hair doing? And usually I'm like, I have a huge head and I'm aware of that on stage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel the same way on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, in everyday life, in pictures, I'm like, I have a huge head. I have a big Irish cranium. But now that I'm doing Zoom shows, I'm like, why are my hands so big? (laughs) What is wrong? Just more things to be self-conscious about. Oh, my gosh. That is, that's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, man. Can you tell us what story or what joke or topic that sets the crowd like crazy when you're doing stand-up? Well, it always depends on the crowd, but I have, oh, I have a couple jokes I like. I do jokes about my kids. I have one that I call sweep the leg, where I talk about when my kids, Some I, I say, you know, I don't hit my kids, but sometimes when my kids hit each other, I root for different teams. <laughs> to get involved and when I do I say the right thing I say we use our words not our hands but what I'm thinking is sweep the leg <laughs> finish him so I like that one you sound like a Mortal Kombat game yes I <laughs> come up to me after this show once he was like I liked your call back to Mortal Kombat and I was like uh, what and he was like Mortal Kombat sweep the leg finish him and I was like oh is that what that's from you know, my brain is so overtired. I just have things that I pull from it. I'm like, oh, I guess it is from that. I thought it was from like a Dolph Lundgren movie or something, but I guess not. So I love that one. I have a penis aisle joke that I do about being in an aisle with my husband and him saying, you know, they shouldn't call this the personal care aisle. They should call this the vagina aisle. You guys get all these washes and lotions. (laughs) We don't have any of that. That's not fair. We deserve a penis aisle. 
and I said, you don't have a penis aisle because the world is your penis aisle. Exactly. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> exactly. You don't have a penis aisle the way white people don't have a history month. Okay. And that's one of my favorite jokes to tell. Sometimes it's like the audience and I love it. I've told that places where it's just like a beautiful moment. And then I've told it places where I know nobody's liking me and it's just for me. <laughs> but it's always fun. Whenever I say the thing about like, cause the world is your penis aisle. I love to really lean into that and like oh, look up man. the ceiling and like feel the sound carry. And it's just great. I mean, I did that once in a sports bar where nobody was, you know, I was like standing in front of a flat screen that was showing baseball. So they already did not like me. But it's just fun to do. I love that. I have an act out of nursing. And it was right after I had had my baby that I wrote this joke because everybody was like, what's going on in your life? And I remember being like, I can't talk about what's going on in my life. I'm just nursing all the time. And who the fuck wants to hear about that? So I wrote a joke about it with these two women who I absolutely love, they were like, you know what this is? This is less of a joke and more of an act out. So it became this act out where I was like, I got, somebody tried to shame me for breastfeeding the other day. And with my first kid, I would have been like, okay, I get it. This is awkward and uncomfortable. And I would have left. But with your third kid, I wanted to jump up on the table like that scene from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> get on the ground, motherfuckers. Machine gunning my kids at everybody. And like, now it's awkward. Now it's uncomfortable. People slipping in milk. <laughs> so that always does well. That was this joke where well, the first time I said it, I was like, am I really going to say this in a microphone? I think I'm really going to do this. And then it became my closer for like a year because it was so much fun to do this act out where I was pretending to throw breast milk in people's faces. Okay. All right. That's it. I got to come to one of your sets because I'm just going to die of laughter. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, Zoe, man, you're going to, I'm going to die on the show just for beer laughter. <laughs> oh man. Is there anything else that's in store for you right now for the future besides your Zoom shows that you've been doing? Anything new you're producing? I am hoping to do Boulder Comedy Festival next year in June. I'd like to start producing some Zoom shows just because, like I was saying, now geography isn't an issue. I can have people from New York and L.A. and all over the place. So hopefully that'll be a thing that I'm doing. Awesome. Well, be sure to let us know when you're going to do it. We'll help promote. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. You ready for the Keep It Real segment before we close out today? Sure. Yeah. All right. Who's your favorite comedian? I have a lot. I like Kira Sultanovich. I like Dulce Sloan, Anthony Decimito, Vanessa Gonzalez. I love Tamara Catan, Chris Bryant, Heather Pasternak, Nancy Norton, Janae Burris. There are a lot of people I like. There are lots of people's names that I put on cards when people say, like, who should I watch? Aparna Nancharla. I like, yeah, lots of good, funny people. I like Kate Strobel, too. She's very, very funny. And Danelle. <laughs> Danelle is hilarious. What is your favorite comedic film? Ooh, I like Bridesmaids. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that, man. I fall apart in that film. I feel like I watch that the way that other people take Prozac. <laughs> Bridesmaids, Knocked Up. I am very guilty of watching the Harold and Kumar trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I love really silly stuff that's just like obscene and funny. Yeah, Bridesmaids is one of my top ones for sure. 
I love bridesmaids. I love the scene when they're in the bridal boutique and everything goes wrong. Oh gosh. Yeah, they're sweating and they're yeah. like, where's the food? And she's like, it wasn't the food. <laughs> that kills me every time. Oh boy. <laughs> The busy, the, the busy street and the bridesmaid's dress and just has to settle over the manhole. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, she's pooping in the street. It's happening. <laughs> and my last one is, since you're a mom, you know, I have to know this. What is your favorite kid thing to do with your kids? Well, I mean, they're very creative, so I like to help them. They do music. They both play a bunch of different instruments and sing. So I like watching them create stuff. They'll create games and they'll create board games. And I just like watching their interactive play. My favorite thing is just sort of watching them handle things. Because, you know, as a mom, you want to step in. But as they get older, you got to step back and see if they handle the situation the right way. So I guess Mm -hmm. I just like watching them interact with each other and seeing how creative they are and watching them be good at different things. That's always nice. I like watching somebody be good at something and feel good about themselves when they do it. So watching my kids perform, I love that. I love struggling and reading. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sap, sorry. (laughs) It's so funny. My son was making fun of me. I didn't know he remembered this, but he said, Mom, do you remember the time when I told you I loved you more than Dad? And you said, aw, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Just fell right into that. (laughs) He goes, you didn't handle that right, did you? I was like, no. But Sally, I had a grand time, man. I think I laughed too high. (laughs) I did too. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. If you're like me, you've probably been spending a lot of time at home and with your family. Because of that, getting groceries you need is more important than ever. With Instacart, it's easy to shop from your favorite retailers online and get everything you need delivered at a time that works for you. Save yourself a trip to the grocery store. Instacart makes it easy to take care of grocery shopping from home without even leaving the couch. My link will be in the show notes if you want to hit up Instacart to make it convenient, easy to get your groceries and everything else. Thanks, Zoe, for so much for being on the show. I've never laughed so hard, man. I was dying. (laughs) I'm still dying just (laughs) thinking about the jokes and everything else. We are watching you. We are always rooting for you. Go, Zoe Rogers. We are rooting for you, girl. Now, my last tidbit, as per usual, I know here in Texas... It's pretty much done to register to vote. I know from other areas, you can still do it. Take the time, people. Get educated. Now is the time to bring your protest to the ballot box. I say that again. Bring your protest to the ballot box. That's right. So go register to vote. Vote early. That is my recommendation, unless you're going to be staying in those long-ass lines, because that's definitely not me. (laughs) If you have a voice, make it heard. You know what I'm saying? I've been saying it over and over again. Register to vote, vote. And you're going to keep hearing this message every time I end this podcast. So register to vote, vote, do your thing. Peace out. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Thank you.